Welcome back to The Siding Lab, where we give you an insight into the world of motorcycle racing. On this week's episode, we have Scott Ogden on the podcast. Now, this isn't Scott's first time on the podcast. He came back to join us. Um, We haven't scared him off completely. So welcome back to the podcast, Scott, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's just before Silverstone now, which is quite exciting. So it's a, it's a good time to have a podcast. Yeah, definitely. Get back into the mentality of racing for sure. So how's your summer break been so far? Did you take some time off to relax? Um, Not really. I had three weeks in Spain training and riding uh, on the supermoto on kart tracks. And then I've had two weeks back in the UK just to get used to the weather again and just cycle. And yeah, not a lot of time off, but all enjoyment and yeah, ready to start going again. Yeah, sure. So last time we sort of just skimmed over the, you know, joining the Moto3 class as a rookie and stuff like that but we wanted to go back a little bit and talk about you know your road to Moto3 so obviously you raced in the the British Talent Cup and you won it in 2019 what was your favorite memory from the British Talent Cup and all of the other classes that you raced in to get to the point that you're in now um with the British Talent Cup I'd probably say it was the first round of the second season I was in when I got my first race win that was definitely a weight off the shoulders and quite a special one because it was my first proper victory in any class. So that one in the British Talent Cup was definitely the special moment for me. Also, the championship was a good moment. And then before that, it was probably in my first year of racing, I did the Metrikit 70s, which is like the feeder class, which all the races go through, all the British races go through. And I won that in my first year. So, yeah, that was probably the second best moment. Yeah, and what about the likes of Red Bull rookies and the the CEV Moto Three Junior World Championship? Yeah, Any good memories from that. I didn't, I didn't get so much success in the Red Bull rookies. It was quite a difficult time for me, but with the CEV, it was definitely the win in Hereth. It was a big breakthrough ride for me. It definitely showed what I could do, and and a lot of the MotoGP teams watched that, so it was definitely a special one. Do you think like the British Talent Cup is like? A good way for British riders to get into like Moto Three. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's it's probably the best way without going and spending a lot of money because when you go over to Spain, it's it's not quite affordable for many people. Some people can do it, but for most, it's not affordable. So through the British Talent Cup, you've got that funding and structure from Dorna, who is the MotoGP organizers, and that is definitely probably well, in my opinion, is the best way to make it through for just a normal family. Yeah. So, so obviously you're at Silverstone right now, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just arrived. Yeah. So, like, what's the accommodation like? Just at any track? Um, do you stay in hotels or do you have a motorhome every weekend? Uh, normally we stay in hotels. All the races we've been in hotels. They can tend, or they tend to be quite far away, just because it's such a busy place. But then this weekend is maybe a hotel. The team have booked hotels, but I've got um, a fam- well, family friends close by and it's like five minutes from the circuit. So with Motor 3 being so early, it's better to do it that way than travel 50 minutes and you sort of get 45 minutes extra sleep as such. So, yeah, I think this weekend I'll stay there. But no, it's good. The hotels are always nice. It's it's if you're in MotoGP, you get a, a camper and a motorhome, which is definitely better. But for a Motor 3 rider, I think it's it's a good thing. Definitely. An extra rely in then at the weekend will also yeah. be appreciated, I'm sure. 
So another question then is, well, obviously with Silverstone, you drive to the race because it's so close to home. But for the rest of the races on the calendar, apart from the flyaways, obviously, do you drive to most races or do you fly to a lot of them? Um, Normally we fly, but it depends what is the most um, affordable thing for the team. So with Saxon Ring and um, Assen and also Le Mans, we drove because it was yeah. easy to get under the tunnel. But for most of them, we fly. Yeah, that makes sense. I suppose with flying then, would you get a lot of jet lag? I know you haven't been on that many um, flyaways this season. And there's a lot of them coming up, but do you get jet lag a lot? And how do you work around it? Um, on the the ones I've had so far, going there, I haven't had so much jet lag. It was it was okay. I, I just made sure I woke up at the right time. And yeah, I was a bit tired, but other than that, it was okay. Whereas on the way back, normally, just because I also I've had a hard weekend, normally I... It, it affects me when I get home, which is not really a problem because it's the problem is when you're riding. So it hasn't been too bad yet. We'll see when we get to Asia. But then at the same time, the back-to-back, so we don't come all the way back to English time, which is better. Yeah, so you've got more time to adapt, I suppose. And then, like you said, yeah. after a race, you know, you've got a few days to relax before having to get back to it, I suppose. Yeah, I think Aragon to Japan will be difficult, but yeah. then we don't have Friday practice as well now, so oh true, we get an yes. extra day. Yeah, that's not too bad then. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, because yeah. they announced it so early in the season that they were cancelling the Friday session. The, yeah, the season's just because, a bit of a mess. Yeah, it's what happened in Argentina with the yeah flight cases. They don't want it to happen again. Oh, yeah, sure. that day we Lauren was just sat on her phone tracking the plane. I had so much uni work to be doing, and I was yeah. like, I'm so invested in seeing when this plane is. And I wasn't even riding, and I was like, where's the plane with everyone's bikes? <laughs> yeah. Um. So, have you found it hard to adapt to the Moto Three calendar with it being heavier than the Moto Three Junior World Championship? Um, I think it is definitely a big step, but it wasn't quite as big as I thought it would be. We're definitely done a lot better than I anticipated at the start of the year I think the biggest thing is just how fast the races are normally the lap times in junior world championship are pretty similar but then in the race in world championship they do those lap times more or less every lap especially this year with Guevara pushing at the front so it was definitely the race pace that I've struggled with a little bit and being on like 100% pushing every lap it sort of made me have a few more crashes than I normally do have but yeah, I think that's just experience. When you get comfortable at that speed, then doing those lap times is a little easier as such. Yeah, and with the second half of the season coming up, do you think that this half of the season will be tougher than the first half? Or how are you feeling going into it? Um, I think it there won't be much difference. I, I've definitely had a good five-week period where I've improved in many aspects, just with riding and also trying to lose a bit of weight and making sure everything's a little bit better. So, yeah, I feel like I'm going into the second season like as if it's just a completely new season. Try to forget everything that happened in the first one because it's so long and just taking all the mistakes from the first one, it's just, it's hard for the head. So, yeah, I've just seen it as a new season this weekend. Just try and just have a solid race. Try to get a bit more laps under my belt and just, yeah, try finish because I know if, if I finish well, I can be in the top 10 so that's definitely the aim yeah definitely and do you feel like the summer break was the right amount of time or did it feel a bit long or not long enough um I think for me it was the right right, right amount of time just because 
my dad always likes me not training on bikes so close to the uh, the races just because of injury. Yeah. So like it gave me a good three weeks to be able to train and then two weeks where I was just cycling. So it was good for me. For most riders, I think it was long because you had five weeks straight of riding. But no, for me, it was perfect. Yeah, yeah. because Kimi Ring was meant to be on the calendar, wasn't it? So it was meant to be a shorter summer yeah. break. I, yeah, right at the start of July. So it's a shame, really, because it, it looks like a good track, but hopefully next year. Yeah, were you looking forward to racing there or are you a bit disappointed that it's taken off the calendar? You know, another yeah. option to, to gain points as well, taken away? Yeah, 100%. Also, because it's a new track for everyone, it's sort of yeah. a level playing yeah. field, so there's no one's got any data. It's like Indonesia, where it was quite a good round for me early on. So, yeah, it's a shame, but just next year's the year to, to go, hopefully, if they get everything sorted. Yeah, definitely. So, um, obviously, you've been travelling a lot. But um, what's your favourite food that you've tried from your travels? Um, it's difficult because I sort of just eat what I know works. And also, especially in Europe, we have the hospitality. Um, so it's yeah. the same food every race. So it's, it's quite difficult. I don't know. America, I didn't really enjoy just because it was so hard to eat within a diet, which was which was difficult. And then Indonesia and well, Argentina was more or less just steak, which was okay. I didn't mind. And then Indonesia, you had to be careful with what you ate just because the water wasn't great. So, yeah, we sort of didn't venture out anywhere and try different things as such. I think Indonesia, we went to a Chinese restaurant, which was really good. But other than that, we haven't really done anything other than the pasta at the hospitality. Yeah. Are you excited to maybe go to some different places coming up in the calendar? You know, obviously Japan and, and stuff like that. Yeah, 100%. Japan's a good one. And with the extra day there, we'll have time to go and explore and stuff. So, yeah, that that should be a good one. Yeah, I'm sure. So the last time you were on the podcast, you said that you didn't really listen to much music um, before races. So how do you get into the right mindset before getting on the bike? Um. I just, I, I don't really know. The calmer I am, the better I go. Like, there's a lot of people that are fired up and they go a bit faster, whereas for me, being calm is, is better just because when I get fired up, I sort of make a bit, few mistakes and mistakes on a Moto3 bike, they sort of, they bite a little bit. So, yeah, I just try to stay calm. I try to watch as much as the other classes as I can and leave getting changed as late as possible just so my mind's not thinking about the session ahead. So, yeah, it's just about trying to stay in not a positive mindset, but like just a calm, just trying to be calm and not think so much about the job at hand until you're about to do it. Yeah, keep the heart rate down. Don't get too yeah. stressed out beforehand. Not listening yeah. to like crazy rap music or something, getting yourself pumped yeah. up. I'm sure there is people that do that though. Yeah, yeah. well, there's, me and Josh have rooms next to us and you can hear his music. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Interesting, interesting. So, um, oh, oh no, you can go, Lauren. <laughs> so, what does your training routine look like? Just bog standard normal training routine. Um, before, always in the past, I used to just do my own training. So I'd literally just go out on the bike and just do whatever I felt like. So, it was in pre-season, it was most of the time hundred kilometers every day, just on the bike, and it's sort of leading up to the season I got glandular fever and it sort of just destroyed me so I sort of I stopped training as much and I went to do some tests and 
with Loughborough University and now they mm. set all my training plans so it's normally four to five uh, sessions a week and they, they vary from being a low intensity to a high intensity and it's just trying to build that base layer of fitness but also then the high intensity stuff because your races are normally always at high heart rate so yeah I've just started a new program which is it's working I think so We'll see how that goes for the remainder of the year. It's normally between an hour and two and a half hours of cycling. Not so much gym at the moment, just because it's hard to get anywhere. Yeah, definitely. I wasn't expecting you to say 100 kilometers yeah. today, to be honest. Yeah, the start of the year in Spain, I got a new bike and then I just enjoyed it so much. I just, every day, I, I had nothing else to do. I'd just go out and cycle, so. Yeah, it sort of killed me off before the season even season even started, and yeah, yeah, it was a bad idea, but it was fun at the time. Yeah, <laughs> my my next question was, what's your favorite part of training and what's your least favorite? So I can safely say that your favorite part of training is cycling. Then, yeah, cycling, hundred percent. I love watching it, yeah. the Tour de France and everything. But all the least favorite part, I don't know. I don't do any gym work. I I don't like doing weights or anything because. In motor three, stereotypically, you've got to be really light. And I'm not tall. I'm five foot nine. But for a motor three rider, it's on the bigger scale or the bigger end of the scale. So it's like I, I don't enjoy doing weights just because then all the work I put on the, the push bike, it sort of lose it by putting a bit of muscle mass on. But really, I should do more. But it's difficult for mentally to do that and then put weight on yeah I'm sure hypothetically speaking you move up to Moto2 would you have to do a lot more weights and bulk up your body weight a bit more or would you be okay staring sort of the size that you are at the minute um I think because I've got long arms and legs maybe I'll get away with it because I ride 600s quite a lot and I seem to be okay at making the adjustment but (laughs) I'd like to be maybe five kilos six kilos heavier and so it's a little bit, but not drastic. Like I remember when Miller went to MotoGP, he put on nearly 15, 20 kilos, but it wasn't the right weight. So yeah, I'll have to see when I get there, but I'm sure because it's a bigger bike as well, you will have to be a little bit stronger. Do you think you'd be like better suited to the Moto2 because of your height? Um, I'm not sure 100%. On the 600, I, I seem to be going okay at the moment. So it'll be nice to give a Moto2 a go soon but I think because I've ridden motor three for so many years at the moment I am a still a little bike rider and my style suits that but yeah I'm sure I'll be able to adapt and at the end of the day some big riders go well on the motor two but there's also small riders I remember Danny Pedroza back in the day when he they were 250s he went really well and also Marquez was not quite that big so yeah it just depends I think yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, Danny Petros is smaller than me and I'm five <laughs> foot five, I think. So yeah, he's I couldn't imagine myself handling even a, a mini bike, never mind <laughs> a GP bike. So I think it's just, you, you know, you need to know what you're doing sort of thing. Is it yeah. it's a massive part of it? Yeah, I think as long as you adapt your style to the bike, then it's OK. Yeah. So obviously you're a rookie to Moto3 this year. Um, so how physically draining were the first races and did it get easier? Um, I think for me, the it was definitely the latter races that were the hardest, just because normally the seasons I've been doing are no more than eight, nine rounds. 
So like I already reached that by um, Barcelona. So then after that, it was like a new season for me. So yeah, the last few, especially with the crashes, they were physically demanding. But yeah, I think over the years, if I, if I'm lucky enough to be able to stay in the championship for a long time, it will get easier just with being used to doing so many races and being able to save your energy for all of them. Yeah, you did have a few crashes before before the, the summer break. You know, how were you after those? Because there were some massive ones in there and, you know, watching them even at home, we were sort of like, oh, goodness, is he going to be okay after that crash? And you just got up and walked away from them. Like, how are you able just to sort of bounce like that and just bounce back and get back on? Yeah, they were quite big crashes, but then, like, I sort of landed in the right way, so yeah. I was lucky for both of them. They could have ended either way. I think I hit my head quite hard two weeks in a row, which wasn't great. So I had a couple of weeks where I was still not feeling great. But then if you've got no broken bones, then I sort of feel like it's not that bad, especially because, unfortunately, the other rider that was involved in the crash will miss a lot of the season now. So yeah. I got quite lucky with the situation. Yeah, definitely. So I don't know if you watch any F1, but um, in F1, you often see a lot of the drivers like Pierre Gasly and Daniel Ricciardo doing the reaction time exercises with uh, tennis balls. Um, do you do any sort of reflex training? Um, I'm quite, uh, it's horrible to say, but I'm a bit lazy. Not lazy. <laughs> I enjoy doing the cycling and I do a lot of stuff, but with that sort of stuff, I sort of, I don't do it at all, which I know I should, and <laughs> a lot of riders do do it. But I, I feel like my reactions are quite good just from doing racing so long. So yeah. I, to them practice it as well, I, I don't think it's necessary. But I'm sure in the winter I should start doing a little bit more. Well, that was going to be my next question: Is it do you see people in the paddock doing it? Because us watching, we don't really see many people doing it. But obviously, we don't see a full day of what's happening. But do you do you see other riders practicing things like um, that? You never really see the MotoGP guys around in the paddock. They're always in the big trucks. But then some of the Moto3 riders, like I think Tatai, Nepa, they they normally always do something. And yeah. then a lot of them skip. So, yeah, they do do stuff. I, I probably should, but I don't think it helps so much just because in F1, like you've got the, for us, it's the start is the biggest reaction time. And then after that, you have some points, but it's normally not so bad. Whereas in F1, you've got to be so careful about not touching anything. Otherwise, yeah. the car is damaged. So for them, it's definitely more important. Interesting. I always do the wee uh, one on my phone oh. to see how fast yeah, I am. Yeah. I'd be rubbish at starts. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Um. So what does the typical race day look like Um. for you, like from when you get up to when you get on the bike? Um, so the last few races we've been up at 5.45, which, yeah, it's early. I didn't realise it was that early. Yeah, so we'll try to arrive at the circuit around 7.15. Then we'll have breakfast in the hospitality of the circuit. Then it's sort of like just trying, not waste time, but not doing anything in particular to get to warm up. Then in warm up, it's normally just trying to try the last few little bits. If you've got anything you're not comfortable about like Aston I was struggling so much and we sort of just tried loads of different things in warm-up just to see if it worked so warm-ups normally either literally just to warm yourself up make sure everything's okay with the bike or try new things just to if you throw away the session it doesn't matter 
And then we don't really have that long between warm-up and the race. So I'll normally check the data, look at the lap in warm-up compared to my lap in qualifying or whichever my best lap of the weekend is. And then after that, it's like you've got about an hour and it's sort of like too early to eat anything. So breakfast is still in your system. So I'll try just get as much liquids on board, go to the toilet, do my warm-ups, make sure I'm feeling comfortable. And then normally about, because we have pit lane opens 50 minutes before the race start, I'll normally try to get ready about 30 minutes before that. Mm. And then literally just sit, get ready, go to the box 10 minutes before we've got to leave, do the last talks with the crew chief if he's changed anything or done anything with the bike and then go out on the grid. And yeah, normally on the grid, there's a few interviews and the time passes quite quick and then the race starts. And after the race, normally, well, always I have an interview because British TV is interested in the British riders. So it'll either deal with BT and occasionally and then always with... um, MotoGP.com because that normally goes to I think ITV do the highlights now so that yeah, always goes to the yeah, ITV yeah. highlights so and then after that it's just pack away and get the truck ready to go to the next one Good. Do you put your helmet on quite early or do you try and leave it off to the last minute because sometimes it's um, different for a lot of riders and It depends, maybe the, normally I go 3-4 minutes before I have to leave but then in like the hot races that we've had, it's been as late as possible because yeah. you overheat mm-hmm. really quick. Definitely. So if you weren't a motorbike racer doing what you're doing now, what would you be doing with yourself? It's a difficult one. I actually had the same conversation with one of my friends in the British Talent Cup. He's got a like a backup job, whereas for me, I don't really see myself doing anything else. It's like, <laughs> it's always been motorbiking and until someone says uh you're not it's not happening or i get an injury that means i can't do it i probably wouldn't think about anything else like i've always wanted to be an athlete of some sort and i'd probably want to be a cyclist if i wasn't a motorcyclist but then if you stop motorcycling now it's sort of like am i too late to do any other sport because those guys have been doing it since they were 10 or whatever and I know I train a lot on the bike, but it's still not the same training. So it's hard to see what I would do if this wasn't the life. And I don't know. I honestly can't answer that one. If I did have to not make it, uh, I would definitely try to do a different sport and see if there was another avenue in sport. But other than that, I wouldn't have a clue. I'd have to tough. go back. Yeah, I'd have to go back to school probably. I've got my GCSEs and stuff, so I'd have to go to college and then maybe university. I don't know. Yeah. At least you've got your GCSEs, though. That's something to fall back on if you ever need them. Yeah. Well, definitely. So we've sort of already covered this, but heading into the second half of the season, how are you feeling? Is there any particular races that you're really looking forward to or are you just really excited to get going again? Yeah, I think Silverstone was the big one. It's not like I'm looking forward to it any more than before, but I'm focused on doing really well at this one. And yeah, it's just one race at a time. Every race is a big race and I'm just looking forward to all of them. I think Japan will be country-wise be a nice one and uh, Phillip Island circuit-wise will be good. But yeah, every race is special. Yeah. So you've um, kind of just mentioned this, but do you feel like you have a different mindset going into the second half or like different goals from the start of the season you want to achieve? 
Um, I wouldn't say I've got a different mindset. I just want to keep working on what I've done already. Like I've, I know I've got the speed to be at the front or not right at the front, but ten to five more or less. So, yeah, I just got to try be a bit more consistent and stay on the bike a little bit. And yeah, just try to get as many points scoring finishes as possible. It'd be nice because like rookie of the year isn't far away, even though I'm. 20 something rookie of the year is 14 or whatever but like points wise it's 20 points or whatever so yeah it'd be nice to make a charge on that but if not just yeah try be the rookie of the year for the second half as such sounds good have you re have you re-watched any of the races from the first half of the season reliving some good results or learning more from some of the difficult weekends um no i never watched it. unless no. i win the race i won't watch it no <laughs> It's the same with all my old races. As long as if I haven't won, I won't watch it just because (laughs) I hate not winning. So, and especially with not being on, like I watched some of the practice sessions like Saxon Ring and some of the uh, wet practices and some of the ones I did really well in. But normally race-wise, I haven't watched any. They haven't been good enough to watch at the moment. So when you take your first race win, will it just be played back on the loop then? Over and over? Yeah, every day. <laughs> uh, I'll be able to say every corner off by heart. <laughs> um, so in the last podcast, you predicted uh, Garcia, Agura and Bangaya to win the championship. Um, are you still convinced they'll do it? Or do you um, think that different people I'm still people 100% are... sure um, Agura will win. Uh, I think for me, he's definitely the stronger, strongest rider. Bangyaya? No chance. Mm. <laughs> no chance. I, I'm going to stick with it just because I said it. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. And then Garcia, it's either Garcia or Guevara. It's one yeah. or the other. At the moment, Guevara is the faster rider. But if Guevara doesn't clear off, then I don't think he can win the races. So, yeah, we'll see how that folds. I'm going to stick with the Mathery. Uh, I think maybe I'll be right. Maybe I'll be right. Oh, that's that's bold to stick with yeah. him. I think I I think Guevara has got a really good chance. Obviously, Fodge yeah. is now falling behind a bit, so that sort of takes him out of the battle. In Mudo two, I think Fernandez has got it in the bag. I yeah, I don't think Vietti will, but Fernandez Agura maybe. Yeah, I think oh, Moto2 yeah. is the most up in the air at the moment because so many yeah, people have had... Yeah, one point in yeah. three. And I'm sure Carla will want to prove something in the second half yeah. of the season as yeah, well. Yeah, no, 100%. Interesting. And you haven't changed your mind from Bangyaya? I mean, what is he, 50 or 60 <laughs> points behind? Yeah, I don't, yeah, I've said it now, so I've got to stick with it. <laughs> I would have believed you if you'd said Leash. I would have been like, yeah, well, no, a I think I don't see him winning many races, whereas Bangyaya could go on a roll of five or six. So. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Fair enough. Fair enough. So we sort of touched on this earlier and that you've been traveling a lot um, thanks to the, the crazy calendar and you visited a lot of places. Do you get a lot of time to sightsee or are you mostly just at the track? You said in Japan you'll have um, that extra day to, to sort of go and look around. Yeah, and only the flyaways we get to see a bit more just because we go yeah. on the Monday. Then we have the Tuesday and the Wednesday really. Whereas Europe, we don't get to see anything. So, yeah, I think the flyaways will definitely get to see stuff, but Europe, probably not. Yeah. And you'd said Japan was one of the ones that you're most looking forward to, maybe Phillip Island. Is there anywhere else that you're really looking forward to, or is it those two for definitely? Um, I think all of them are going to be good. Uh, like, yeah. I've already done Misano, Austria, Aragon, so I, I already know what they're going to be like, but 
yeah, all the new ones should be good. Yeah. Um, with Suzuki leaving next year, less seats um are available for the Moto Two riders to move up, which means that less Moto Three riders can move up to Moto Two. Um, have you felt or seen the impact with this added pressure for riders? Um, I think pressure-wise, no, but I think it'll make the championships a lot more difficult just because you've got all the best riders from the year before in it and it'll be hard yeah. to, to see any big changes. But no, I think pressure-wise, all the riders that are in it, especially the guys that are getting points and wins, they'll be in it next year. It's just maybe you'll see some guys go over to World Supersport or World Superbikes and there might be a little bit of movement. But yeah, I think no one's really thinking about it. They're just thinking about the, the job at hand. Yeah. And with almost all of the contracts running out this year in MotoGP and, like Carly mentioned, Suzuki leaving, silly season's been a bit crazy with people predicting things. But if you were a team boss, which two riders would you sign to your team? In MotoGP? Yeah. yeah. On any bike. They don't, they don't have to can... be from MotoGP. Yeah. Just if you were a MotoGP team boss, any bike you wanted, which two riders and which bike uh... would, you, uh, would you put them on? I'd pick the Ducati. Yeah. <laughs> with uh, Bastianini and probably Agura. Oh. He adapted the best to the Moto 2, so I think he'll adapt well. We'd sort of talked about this one before you came on, and we were like, we were trying to predict what your answer was going to be. And that was definitely not what we were thinking. So yeah. that's a nice surprise. We were thinking you were going to pick uh, Peku Bangaya and maybe Alex Marquez, who is yeah, going to be I on think, a Ducati next year. I think that's the cool. the most potential. And then Agura is like, I think will be like a Quattararo. Yeah. Will surprise people. Definitely. And if you were to move up into MotoGP in an ideal situation, which bike would you want to be to be riding? Um, Honda. Not because the bike's the best, but riding for HRC is, is a big goal in a lot of people's careers, yeah. including mine. Interesting. You'd hope Marc Marquez would be there at the time then as well? No. No? <laughs> you don't want no. him as a teammate? <laughs> no, he can be the rider coach. <laughs> <laughs> Who would you want as your teammate then? Uh, someone slower. <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. And what about your own contract talks? I know you probably can't tell us much and without giving too much away, but where do you see yourself next year? What's what's on the plans? Um, Honestly, I haven't even thought about it. Like, yeah, I'd like, of course, everyone wants to be on Red Bull KTM, but the team, the, oh, Vision Track is giving me such good opportunity this year. And sure, if, if they'd like me again next year, I'd go with them again next year just because it's it's a good thing for British riders. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. At the moment, I've got nothing and i just got to see what, just got to focus on my results, see what happens. Yeah, definitely. We don't yeah. see you going too far anyway. <laughs> but last but not least, you'd said you're a big fan of, of Alex Marquez in the last podcast. Have you finally got a selfie with him or or not? No, no. Not gone up to you, ask him. I think as a Moto Three rider, you can't go and ask the Moto GP guys for a selfie. I don't it's see why not. <laughs> no, <laughs> but well, maybe this weekend because we've got a lot of press and we're on the two wheels for life stage and yeah. the day of champions. 
maybe you need to try and LS. try and get on the stage with him and then yeah get a photo yeah. but he really is with red bull yeah. hats or something but yeah i'll see i'll ask i'll ask you see where he is and then you just strategically place yourself beside him yeah, so yeah. that you're in all the photos together and you can yeah. just drop everyone else out that should work yeah so last time you were on the podcast, you did some predictions with us. Happy enough to do them again. So you predicted yeah, the podium for all three classes. So starting with yeah. Moto three again, I'm sure you want to put yourself on the on the top. Yeah, spot. yeah I've got it. It's the, That's one. the obvious one. Scott's <laughs> winning the race, but who would you put on the on the podium? Um, I I'm not gonna put myself as first because I like if I get lucky, I might get third. But so I'm gonna go Guevara first. Fodger second, and then myself third. Yourself it, third. It's got to be yeah. done. You got I mean, to believe. It has to happen. You didn't. You didn't want to put yourself on the podium last time we talked. So I feel like this is good progression now. That yeah. You, you no, just because it's the home round. Yeah. Like apparently, you get a special bike at the home round. So we'll yeah. see. There you go. Well, and then you then, should win. There you go. Yeah. Are we doing all three? Yeah. Moto two now. Um, Moto two. I'm gonna go with. I think Canet's going to win. He's had a bit of time away with the nose and all that. Yeah. So I think Canet's going to win. Um, Agura second, Acosta third. No, really? Draco Sam. <gasps> That's ridiculous. Oh, Sam. I <laughs> uh, in fact, I'm going to swap Acosta for Sam. Sam's going to be third. And no Jake. I like Sam. No, no Jake. <laughs> Acosta's got a broken leg, mind you, so I'd be really surprised yeah, if he did yeah. one You helped me out there. You yeah, there you out. go. <laughs> yeah. And then Moto GP, what do you think? And bear in mind, Fabio Quattararo obviously has a, a long lap penalty to take. Yeah, as well. so I'm going to go with Aleish. He's going to win just this one. It's going to be his last one of the season. Okay. Then Rin second, and Banyaya yeah. third. That's, that's interesting. I think do you Rin's think it's been... going to be another photo finish, like in um 2019? Um, I think this year, no, I don't think the racing's that good, unfortunately. To be fair, it's been a bit spread out, so yeah, hopefully it is, but we'll see what happens. I think Quattro will finish fourth. He'll be second and then drop back to fourth. Interesting, very interesting. And I suppose this is just off the bat, with the, we talked about obviously who you would sign to your team and this, that and the other, but there is a factory Ducati seat up for grabs. Who do you think's getting it? Jorge Martin or Enea Bastianini? Um, I think Bastianini will get it, only because I've heard a rumour that he's going to get it. Just <laughs> We've also heard those go... rumours. I've been chatting to a few people this week and I've also heard that rumour, so that's very interesting. Yeah, I think he'll get it. But Martin mm. is younger and Bastianini's won three races, so yeah. Yeah, as much of a madness, I suppose. No. Well. Yeah, thank you very much for answering all our questions. I think that's no everything, worries. Carly. Do you have anything else yeah. to add on this one? No. no. Carly's actually going to the race this weekend, so... Lauren's <laughs> oh, <laughs> just telling me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, if you see me, say hello. Okay. <laughs> you have to... What is it? The Two Wheels for Life's tomorrow? We were chatting to yeah. Michael. Yeah, I think I'm on the... stage at 2.55. There you go, Carly sorted. We were talking to Michael Hill last week about two wheels for life, and he was saying yeah. he's getting sorted for Silverstone. So that'll yeah. be good fun. No, perfect. Are you doing anything fun fundraising wise, or are you just gonna go along and see what's happening? Yeah, I don't. Uh, I think someone painted a picture of me and Josh, so I think they're auctioning that, and then they'll be fairing and stuff. I haven't actually, I haven't actually got any kit. I've crashed so much, I got to save my kit. <laughs> I might be able to find a helmet that's 
I've crashed him, but I'll have to see <laughs> what there is. Hopefully you haven't hit your head too much on it and, <laughs> and scuffed yeah. it too much. Well, there you go. All sorted then. Well, that is it for that week's episode. For this week's episode, goodness, I can't even speak English. A big thank you again to Scott Ogden for joining us. Hopefully this second half of the season goes as well as you want it to. We're very excited and we will be backing you all the way as per usual. I just want to put it in there that we have to apologise because the last time you were on the podcast, you started crashing a lot then after you spoke to us. <laughs> and we think that we've put the Scott on you. So hopefully this has reversed the curse and you'll, you know, yeah, the good luck we'll is see. on your side. So Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you guys next week with the Silverstone Race Review.